And now, The Road. Welcome to The Ropes. We are back. I am Rafe Bartholomew from Grantland.com, and I am joined, as always, by Brian Campbell of ESPN.com. He is, I mean, he's, you know, he starts the ruckus at a Jason Aldean, Kenny Chesney concert with the face lube on. Brian, are you feeling all right right now? I'm feeling all right. Yeah, that's if you're going to get arrested, you know, the best place to get arrested, of course, is at a, is at a country concert. At the there. Rose Bowl, but, uh, watching some country music. You but know? your guy Vio aside, it's been a long, hot summer. We the ropes. We we've taken some time off here, Riff, with a little vacation time, you a know, little bit. Uh, schedules got a little bit funky, and the, you know, it's it's always a little bit slower in boxing. Even though PBC keeps the fights rolling along at a steady pace, uh, it hasn't been a huge event to come back for. But you know, it gives us a lot to talk about right now. But your brosifs are back because there's a lot going on. Normally, you know, Rafe, the summertime in boxing, you can kick back. There's usually a couple minor fights, nothing to deal with. But with this year, with the PBC, it's really raising the bar. We got a pretty loaded summer, and now we're really angling toward a, a, a star-studded, jacked-packed fall. Jacked-packed. So, uh, so where do you want to jacked. start? Lay it on me. There's a lot. To, I mean, there's a lot of headlines that sort of hit in the last week and in the few, few weeks when we're when we were away. So let's sort of run down here, run down these headlines, get our reactions. Look, the the, the biggest oh boy hashtag fireworks moment for me is a fight that really none of us saw coming that got announced just just in the past few days. The middleweight title unification bout October 17th, HBO pay-per-view, your guy and ours, Triple G against David Lemieux. Our other guy. The Our last, other guy. The most, recent, the most recent The Ropes guest before this podcast. Rafe, this is on Madison Square Garden. Two action fighters putting it on the line in a fight that, you know, listening to David Lemieux on our podcast a few weeks ago, we didn't think we were getting this year. This suddenly fell into our laps, and now it's a big deal. This is pay-per-view. This is Triple G going up against, uh, I mean, a, a stud slugger. I know Triple G's got advantages, but you can't help but get excited at the old-school nature of this bout. I mean, what's your reaction to this? Oh, it's a, it's a fight we want to see, right? I mean, we sort of, given the caveats with uh, Triple G's competition and who's available, knowing that, you know, it's been hard for him to get the, the bigger names that he's wanted, uh, Lemieux is the guy sort of at the top of everyone's realistic list of opponents, not necessarily because they we all expect him to be the the best possible test of Triple G, but it's going to be a little bit of a different look for him, and it's going to be an exciting fight. I mean, it, it, it's been said a million times already, but as long as it lasts, these guys are really going to go after each other to the prop, what? They're the two biggest punchers at middleweight. No, full stop, right? I mean, you can't put Quillen in there with them. No, um, no, no. And so, you know, who doesn't want to see that? Especially with, you know, Triple G. I mean, we've, we've been watching, we'll watch him fight pretty much anyone. I mean, we'll, I paid to watch him fight Osumanu Adama a couple years ago. So, this is an exciting fight. And Lemieux's been built up nicely. Uh, he's coming off the fun Endom fight. Like, let's, yo, it's just sort of a classic. Cool. Let's get it on. It's going to be fun. The question, though, do you really want to pay money to see this? Especially knowing that, you know, Triple G is going to enter the ring as a heavy favorite. 
Yeah, it's interesting in that regard. For for people to have to pay money for this when this could have been an HBO fight, it doesn't make you happy. But at the same time, I'm actually excited to see where Triple G's true stock and brand mm-hmm. is at. I mean, it's one thing to get a certain amount of ratings on HBO where, you know, it's not free, of course. You're paying subscription, but it's not paying $50 a pop. And then to actually see where his brand is at. Because if this pay-per-view exceeds expectations, he, this gives him a lot of leverage in terms of getting the type of fights that he isn't getting right now with people avoiding him. When there's more money on the table, you're more apt to see people step up. I like that Lemieux stepped up where, in some cases, he didn't have to, where he could have milked it a little longer, got a mandatory, you know, held the belt for a while, sort of tried to build this up. No, he's going after it. He's going after it hard, just like he does in the ring. That's what gets you excited. I'm also kind of excited about what Oscar and Golden Boy are doing because, you know, they've talked the talk and not walked the walk in the past. But now Oscar with, with you know, the chips down, not a lot of fighters in the stable. He's looking to make fun fights. He pushed hard for this. He wanted it. They're making it happen. I'm really, really excited about it, whether Golovkin's a heavy favorite or not, because this is real danger, and we know that. You know, we, his, his chin's been amazing, but he really hasn't faced a puncher at this level. Right. As a, I think as members of the boxing media, I think we can get sort of really interested in the business side behind the uh, the choice to go pay-per-view here. I don't know if the casual fan or the or even the hardcore fan necessarily is thrilled about having to pay somewhere between, you know, 50 and 80 bucks probably closer to the higher end about for this fight but since that's what we're talking about brian what do you think the strategy is uh besides just needing to get lemieux in the ring and probably offer a little bit more money by going pay-per-view is there another deeper level of strategy here what is what are, what are k2 and hbo uh k2 being golovkin's promoters and hbo thinking here trying to go pay-per-view uh, you know, obviously to test out his brand, but also to put him in there with a puncher to to give you your, your pay-per-view money back that you pay. You know, in this day and age of too many people paying for Mayweather fights, not getting the bang for the buck, they're picking the right opponent to try this pay-per-view leap, try to give people the bang for their buck, have them say, oh, I want to come back to a Gennady Golovkin fight no matter what. But, Rafe, uh, speaking like we mentioned of guys who don't always give you the bang for the buck, we still don't know what's going to happen this fall with Floyd Mayweather. We kind of know that he's probably going to come back against Andre Berto, but it's not really a guarantee that it's going to be on CBS like was rumored for a while. Some are reporting in the media that it's, you know, a lot, lot more likely to be on pay-per-view. It, the, September 12th is, is sneaking up on us. I mean, what is going to be our reaction if we're really getting Floyd versus Berto on pay-per-view? Uh, my reaction to Floyd versus Berto on any platform is I am bored. Like I don't care. Like I, I can't. I'm not gonna get up for that fight. It's not even. I, I'll watch it, of course, and I think I will watch Floyd anytime he fights, just because of the sort of artistry and skill he shows in the ring. But as something, as something I want to see. I, I was more curious, and I've talked myself into a lot of Floyd opponents as having some sort of outside shot. I talked myself into Robert Guerrero back in the day, uh, but this one is just a. A, a joke to me. I mean, I, I love Berto. He's funny. He's he's a, got a lot of heart, and I think that he's probably unfairly hated by a lot of fans be, just because of the way he was brought up as sort of like the patient zero, the test case A of the Al Heyman system. I know yeah. that Vernon Forrest might have been his first fighter, but Berto was really the guy who was protected for a long time, racked up easy wins, got big paydays on HBO, um, and and got a lot of hate for that over the years. Then, you know, he's, he's, had, he's fallen on hard times career-wise, even though he's still making money. Um, 
you know, I, 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 I like Berto. I'm not even upset that he's getting a chance, but he doesn't really belong in the ring with no, Floyd I, based on recent uh, recent results and, and how his career has gone. So I'm not really excited about this. The CBS angle was interesting. It was another interesting business angle to sort of occupy the boxing press and when instead they probably would have just been saying, this is garbage. Yeah, it's a hot dumpster fire if it's on pay per view. I said that in my, you know, with nice paint, with a nice paint job on it. I said that in my chat this week. But look, if it was on free TV, I could almost justify it only because I have such low expectations for Floyd. And if it's an attempt to give back to the public, after, you know, for the people that paid ninety nine ninety nine for the Pacquiao fight and weren't happy, then look, you could do, you actually could do worse than Berto. At least, where, you know, it'd be fun to to watch his interviews, watch the build up, watch him carry crustaceans shirtless on the beach, you know, whatever. But yeah, that should be is, his way in. He should walk to the ring with two crabs and. <laughs> no one's going to buy this fight, literally meaning they're not going to pay the money, and literally they're not going to buy it from a, from a criticism standpoint. So moving on, how about we move on to a fight that we're supposed to see this fall, which on paper is probably the best fight of the year. But again, what the heck is the holdup, the, the middleweight title bout, the, uh, the lineal bout between Cotto and Canelo? What's going on here? Man, I, the lineal belt at 155 pounds. These guys, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to this fight. It could, it on paper, it probably is the best fight of the year. Uh, although that's in retrospect. I mean, we all hoped that Mayweather Pacquiao had was going to be the best fight of the year. But anyway, um, you know what's holding it up? It sounds all the news reports say that you know the location is holding up. Just a few little extra details about: is it going to be at Madison Square Garden? Is it going to be in Las Vegas? Um, you you assume that they're going to hammer that out and 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 still have this fight. Uh, although you know Miguel Cotto has has in the past you know not been afraid to do what's best for Miguel Cotto in his mind. So uh, let's hope that that, that it, this this deal holds together. Yeah, real quick on this. I let, uh, we all love this matchup. As far as where this, what this fight means for the future, I think we all know that if Canelo won that, we'd be excited about the potential of him fighting Golovkin because we think he actually would fight Golovkin. There's been more of a little bit of downtroddenness on the idea of Cotto winning. But if I'm going to be honest about Floyd's potential 50th fight next spring at the new MGM Arena, if I'm going to pick one guy out of the pool of opponents who I think Floyd would actually choose from, I would actually think Cotto's the best choice if they did a rematch for the middleweight title. So if Cotto ends up winning this fight with Canelo and we don't need an immediate rematch, I'm not mad at that idea considering we know the type of opponents Floyd would pick. But that's a whole other argument for another day. Let's hit rapid-fire succession here on our list of what we missed you know what we missed, Rafe, was uh, your guy Chavez Jr. <laughs> taking out Marcos Reyes, the unheralded, uh, should we call these guys super middleweights or should we just pick, it's, it's open, it's like UFC 1, it's open weight at this point for your guy Chavez Jr. Look, uh, how do you even react to his victory over Marcos Reyes? Is he a thing anymore? Does he even matter? Should we, should we care? What's going on here? Uh, no, I don't know. I mean, it was, it was, it was a garbage fight. I mean, it, it was, you know, I, I'm willing to wait until, to see if he does, you know, fight at, another high-level opponent. I don't know that he will necessarily deserve that opportunity when he gets it, but he will get it because of his name uh, and his able, ability to draw. Um, he looked sluggish. He looked bad like he did in that in that other fight against Brian, the first fight against Brian Vera, which was at the, you know, 173 pound catch weight that didn't make any sense. Uh, he, you know, he looked bad. He looked bad against Fanfara. Who knows? Like, what? I don't. I'm not really interested in, in him as a fighter. I am interested in him as a personality because he's still funny. I think one thing we can definitively say is it's not the trainer's fault. It's not Joe Goosen's fault. <laughs> it's not you know. It's not Robert Garcia's fault. It wasn't Freddie Roach's fault. It's amazing what Freddie Roach and Ariza did. Although Lord knows how they did it. Uh, you oh, know, you don't at this mean point. that. You don't. Well, I don't. Mean I, that. I mean, I mean, they did it through hard work and dedication. You know, TMT. They did it. They did it through the impossible journey of being able to to uh, suck down twenty. 
25 pounds at the weigh-in and then put it all back on. You, anyway, know, through water. I, you know, I'll see him fight again, I'm sure, because of his name. And I don't, you know, I'll watch just it because love, I'm a captive audience. Yeah, I love how just removed he is from, from real life. Like the fact that he didn't care about not making weight in this meaningless, almost meaningless comeback fight, then didn't even try to get, just renegotiated the weight, didn't even try to get back on the scales. And then on top of that, after a, you know, somewhat boring fight where he didn't really look that good, people are down on him. He's like, yeah, I'll give him a rematch if he wants a rematch. And just like, Ah, Junior, you, you, you just don't get it. Even well, in, let's get pumped, uh, man, because you know what did get signed when we were in the when we were in the wings. Old guy fight. You asked for it, oh, Brian, and they delivered the, the the maybe the mother of all old guy fights. I mean, just in terms of personalities and and the potential for action and ridiculous <laughs> stuff. Uh, Shane Mosley getting back in the ring for a rematch uh, to try and knock out or at least beat Ricardo Mayorga again on uh, in, on I August 29th it. in L.A. Man, I mean, are you going to watch this instead of uh, Santa Cruz Mares that well, night? That's the thing. This might be the best old guy fight possible because you know Mosley still got a little bit left. We love Mayorga because he's a you know he's a straight prostachio. I mean this guy's nuts. Like you just you love it. This is a sloppy, sloppy old guy run it back rematch, and I love every ounce of it, except for the fact that Rafe it's setting itself up to fail. It's ruining itself because sort of what you tease to. This will be a pay per view. They're charging forty nine ninety nine on the same night in the same city as a really good PBC on ESPN card featuring the you know the long awaited Leo Santa Cruz Abner. Fight, whatever you think of, of how long it took to get here, that that's a guaranteed action fight. Are people really going to pay? Are people really? really you know how they make people pay for Mosley? Brian. I know. I look. Let me let me put on my promoter hat here. You know, I know a little thing about this business. If they put on the undercard a battle royale of Victor Ortiz and his brother against everyone <laughs> they assaulted this past weekend at a Kenny Chesney concert at the Rose Bowl in L.A. Pasadena, uh, you know, then I think you start tipping the scales a little bit. People will pay for that. They want to see, you know, face lube in the cutoff jean shorts, you know, just breaking out in a rumble with some guys who they found at a country concert. I don't even know how to react to it. Like, I don't even have properly written enough jokes to come back with. I mean, our guy Vo, there's, he's at, he, he's is he in the Tyson zone? I mean, he's really at the point where nothing would surprise you. And granted, I mean, getting into a fight in public, at, even at a country concert, isn't the most ridiculous thing. But it, it still kind of is because this guy's just so unpredictable. You don't. You, uh, where do we go with Face Lube? He's. I don't think he's going back in the ring. Even though every time like TMZ or someone catches in an interview, <laughs> do you ever listen, actually he calls listen out to what everything. he says? He calls out Floyd. He calls out Bert, Berto. You want to? Rematch, let's do it. I think he called out Marvin Hagler. Like, the guy's just, I mean, it's just ridiculous. Look, Mosley Mayorga, too, belongs in a BKB pit just as much as Victor Ortiz, I think, right now belongs in a BKB pit. And if you're listening out there, the people who pull the strings for BKB, you want to be something, don't put Mosley Jr. on your cards. Put people like Mayorga and Victor Ortiz on your cards because, yeah, our guy Vio is uh, so far off the rails. Yeah, I can't even get behind, like, loving him as a character anymore the guy he's just out there well he's just not even a boxer anymore but you know we'll 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 hold on to the memories and maybe he'll be back you know when when these other opportunities drive up dry up he could be back for an old man or at least a washed up fight at least uh, a southpaw sequel whatever yeah, he, he had a, a limited role in that fine film, I would say. Um, but all right, let's let's talk about some real boxing. Uh, this past weekend, we had on HBO the Sergey Kovalev and Najib Mohamedi or Mohamedi card. Uh, wasn't was, it pretty much went according to plan for anyone who who uh, has followed boxing in the past three years. Um, 
Kovalev knocked him out in three rounds. It wasn't competitive. What, what you know? What's what are you taking away from this fight, if anything? Yeah, this this really was. I mean, not to not to rip it because there's a system in place where people get mandatories, and you know, Muhammad earned this by upsetting Dachenko more than a year ago, and he even took step aside money for the pass for the Kovalev uh, Hopkins fight to to happen. You just didn't like this necessarily as an HBO event, but it was what it was. Kovalev took care of business. But he did do something. I mean, you can't take a lot from it, but he did sort of continue because he's, he's in the, in, in the midst of a minor heel turn right now. You know what I mean? I know there's a, there was big hullaboo with those racist pictures out there, but he's not trying to put on the smile in the way that Golovkin is to sort of sell him as this thing he isn't. Kovalev's just being who he is and he's kind of in the midst of a minor heel turn. And what it's sort of exposing to me is he's kind of like, is this the, this guy might be the baddest man on the planet right now. If you're going to go under the definition of sort of what made Tyson like that back in the day, this guy's the nastiest, you know, scariest dude we have out there. He's a legit top 10 pound for pound guy. He proved that he can box against Hopkins. Uh, whether or not you can take much from this fight, I, I, it's continuing this belief that this guy's a bad dude. Yeah, he's vicious. I mean, he he fights like a really mean guy. And, I, I mean, everybody says that he can be pretty nice out of the ring, and I, I'm not going to doubt that necessarily. But he, you know, with with his power, the way he goes after guys when they're hurt, the way he – we've seen him now several times taunt guys when they are down or hurt or, or laugh at them. Uh, he, you know, he fights – with more of a mean streak than any other, and he backs it up at the same time in a way that it's hard to come up with another fighter who does that. But I don't really think of it as a heel turn because from the first time I saw Kovalev fight, he had that in him. I mean, he was he is a nasty boxer in the ring. I remember for for me, it was watching when he uh, when he knocked out Gabriel Campillo on that uh, NBC Sports card. Oh, I, I mean, was there. You know, I mean, it was just like he. Campillo looks scared. I mean, and I guess we've seen that a few more times from Campillo in the, since then, but that was just like, you know, that was a statement. And every time he, Kovalev fights, he makes a statement like that. Uh, and, and yeah, he fights mean. Uh, I, I don't know if he talks mean too. I mean, he'll, he'll just talk trash about, you know, his honest feelings, whether he's talking about Adonis or talking about anybody, you know, he'll call you a POS. He'll do well, whatever that's he has his, to that's do. His, I, I don't even know if that's his honest feeling because it's really the only line he has now. I mean, POS, you know, <laughs> but oh, I get the feeling that he's genuine. He's genuinely, I don't want to say genuine. Okay. Maybe I over was a little bit over on the heel turn comment, but I think he's genuinely nasty when he steps through the ropes. No he's doubt. Genuinely nasty in a competitive sense outside of the ring and here's where it's setting me up like I think we're, we're so over the idea of him facing Adonis because I mean Adonis is not only you know got dropped by Fonfar keeps fighting nobody I mean he just tweeted out that he's going to fight Tommy Carpency like are you yeah. kidding me the guy who just beat the bad the, Chad the bad Chad's old carcass I mean, actually are you, bad Chad are you kidding me so I think that we're just past that point because I think at this point everyone's going to favor Kovalev anyway but Kovalev right now is mixing together the nastiness the Tyson-esque qualities with the fact that he actually can box and box really well and and he just really hadn't had the chance outside of that Hopkins fight because he's blowing through people where I no longer care about Kovalev Stevenson. I care about Kovalev Andre Ward because that's the fight that if he wins it, I mean, you could you could really make a case that he could be the pound for pound best fighter in the sport. Rafe, I know there's hints of him maybe facing facing Artur Beaterbev, Better Beaver, your you know, <laughs> hashtag Better Beard, however you want to mispronounce it, your guy from Russia who fights out of Canada. 
And that's got a that's a political nightmare to try to make that fight, well, even though HBO seems on board. I hear you, but not. But, but wait a second. There's that. I, I forget the guy. It's this Russian tycoon who is sta- throwing huge money behind cards in Moscow. I mean, he put on. Oh, that's the you dude know, that paid for uh, Klitschko Pavekin and paid like twenty seven yeah, million. Exactly. So if if he puts up a, a massive figure like that, are you telling me that that you know that Al Heyman, who who manages Artur Betterbiev or however you would say his name, uh, isn't gonna maybe at least think about that? You can't. Well, you can't you think you think Al loves better beef that much? I don't know. Al's pull, you know, Al made Quillen drop the belt in face of big money from Rock Nation. You that know, was like one point eight, right? One like what well, yeah. I'm talking about, like you know, ten million. Well, my point is this: like, I want to see Kovalev uh, better beef like anyone else, power versus power. But but my whole point is the real fight of put you know boxer versus puncher of putting in them in there with essentially the Floyd Mayweather of his weight class, which is essentially Andre Ward, who you know came back at one seventy two, has talked about potentially wanting to go to seventy five to to face Kovalev. Is that fight realistic in the next year in your eyes? I mean, could this really happen? And what does that look like? What is, what happens in that fight? What you know from what we know now? Like, what, I'm just I, that fight could get me as fired up as any. Um, you know, there's there's got to be two ways of looking at it. I think it is possible. HBO is obviously interested in it. Uh, Kathy Duva, the CEO of Main Events, the promoter of Kovalev, has talked about it. Has said they have already been in touch with Rock Nation and Ward's people, and that they have you know considered it. That they are open to it. So there's that possibility. But at the same time, we're talking about Andre Ward, and and do do we know if Andre Ward has a next opponent yet? No, he beat like the the overweight British guy a couple a month or two ago. Uh, you know, Mr. It, Bean. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it might it might as well have been Mr. Bean. Rowan Atkinson, come at me, bro. Um, but um, you know, I mean, Andre, th- th- all of that hinges on Andre Ward getting in the ring, and he pre- Andre Ward is a very smart man and a smart fighter. He probably isn't going to fight Kovalev his next time back in the ring after all of his inactivity and only having that one sort of warm up fight against uh, against uh, Smith. Um, you know when is when could it realistically happen? And just anything with Andre Ward these days, you, you, I don't know. You, like I'm kind of like show me before I believe it now because he's just you know he's had so many snags in his career, probably aren't his fault. But it, at this point in time, I, I want to see it before I believe it. Well, let me put you in the electric chair. Let me put the gun to your head. Let me get violent for a it's second. Scary. If this fight is next year and it's let's say number two versus five in the pound for pound rankings. I mean, who do you favor? Just what you know right now. Assuming that Ward, you know, look continues to look good and is and is close enough to his old self. Who do you favor right now? I, I got, I, I got I, my no, hand I'm, on the I'm, on the pedal. I ain't scared. I, I I favor Kovalev. I think Kovalev is good. Would be you know Ward would need to figure out some way to 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 keep Kovalev from letting his hands go. Maybe that smother his punches. And Ward we know can do all these things well. But still, I think Kovalev is just gonna keep working. He's a guy. He's aggressive and and like I don't think that Ward would would necessarily be able to come up with a way to do that. You know, I mean Kovalev we saw against Bernard Hopkins. He'll just keep you on the end of his jab and take his time with with the power. Shots if he needs to, um, and I, I'm, so I, I would expect Kovalev to be more active and maybe steal some rounds that way. Um, you know, he'll have the size advantage, and also, you know, at this point in time, he's got more momentum in his career. And I think HBO is probably more strongly behind Kovalev as a fighter, uh, maybe Ward as a commentator. I don't know if you want to have Kovalev as a commentator. That guy that might get dangerous. <laughs> um, but I think that HBO and I think that the powers that be might be more behind Sergey Kovalev at this point in their respective careers that, you know, the that – 
a, a decision might be more likely to go to a more active Kovalev in the ring, assuming that you know neither, assuming that the, the fight would go the distance. I still favor Ward, dude. I still have seen enough to know that I've seen too much, and I. Uh, I still favor Ward against the puncher as much as I love Kovalev. I still favor Ward against Golovkin if we ever see that either. I mean, I think Ward is still that that hurdle you have to clear if either of those two runaway unbeaten trains are going to end up being, you know, the true pound-for-pound number one. And I hope we see, you know, Ward against both of them. But that's where we're at. But on the undercard, of course, of Kovalev Mohamedy was a fight that did factor into where we're going in the division, a light heavyweight matchup between former champion Jean 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 John Joan, however Bernard Hopkins could pronounce it this time around, Jean Pascal <laughs> against an unheralded, unbeaten Cuban, Unieski Gonzalez. Hey, this was an action fight. This was a fun fight. This was like a poor man's fight of the year-ish type of fight. I didn't like the decision, though. I think our guy uh, uh, Pascal walked away with a fast one. I mean, what's your take on how this no, played out? Look, nobody liked the decision. I mean, it's the kind of thing where even the rounds where Pascal had really good moments, he he kind of he, he often got hit more and seemed to be hurt more in those same rounds uh, by Gonzalez, who just worked throughout and, you know, it got sloppy towards the end. They both looked pretty gassed, Gonzalez especially, but he kept working. And it, it, the, the majority of the rounds, it seemed like he did more damage, worked harder. You know, it, they, they seemed to be uh, his rounds, and I thought he should have win. It's not an outrageously bad decision, but it, it's nothing great. And the one thing I want to push back against is sort of this conventional wisdom that's come out since then, that <clears throat> because because Gonzalez came out of nowhere and fought well, and most people think he deserved the decision, that this is still a good thing for him. I guess it's better than getting knocked out, but, I mean, it's not the greatest thing for him. He, he, he Yes, he will almost surely end up back on TV, and he's sort of a free agent, right? He could, he could end up back on HBO. He could end up back on a PBC card. Who knows? But you know what he's going to end up there as? He's going to end up there as an opponent. He's going to be chum for either Kovalev, Stevenson, or better be Ev. Great. Those are your options. So you get one more payday to go, you know, be outclassed and knocked out probably. I mean, I would give him a shot against maybe Stevenson uh, because, you know, we've seen how an active, durable fighter like Fonfara, you know, competed well with Stevenson. But still, I mean, those are your options. You get to go be an opponent. If he had gotten that decision, you know, who knows? Maybe he can he can get a softer touch. Maybe he'd, he'd be more likely to be in there against Fonfara, which would be a great pretty sort of 50-50 fight, I think. Um, instead, nah, he's going to go in and basically walk into a buzzsaw and get a decent payday, but then what? I hear you, brother. I hear you. Justice. Preach it. Preach it, justice. Well, let's segue into fights where, where, where we don't know the decision yet. It's going to be this Saturday, of course, when the, the, when the PBC returns to ESPN, a good, really good main event with Paulie Malinaji against Danny Garcia. But, Rafe, let's talk to somebody who's got a little bit of insight on it. Paulie Malinaji, his right-hand man, your boy, PD Podcast, Peter Cards, Peter Esferraza. Let's do this. Now stepping through the ropes is the best friend and right-hand man of former two-division titleist Pauli Malinaji. We're talking about Peter Esferraza, a.k.a. Peter Cards, a.k.a. PD Podcast. And when he's not working Pauli's corner, he's sitting next to him as the co-host of the wildly entertaining podcast, Pauli Malinaji from Brooklyn to the World. This Saturday, though, we're going to see Paulie make a comeback against Danny Garcia. We're talking about the PBC on ESPN Saturday at 9 p.m. Peter Cards, thanks for joining us. How you doing, man? 
Oh, good, man. How's everything with you guys? Uh, great, man. Happy to have you here. Uh, you know, I, I, me and me and Brian are text about the podcast a lot, uh, always laughing. So it's going to be fun. Uh, before we get really, uh, I don't know, before we get silly here, I want to be serious for a minute and and talk about the fight and talk about Paulie's preparation uh, for Saturday. Basically, I mean, he's coming off a loss. He's coming off a retirement. How? What's it been like getting ready for this fight as opposed to your pre- the, you know the previous times you guys have worked together? Well, um, a lot of this, it, it started out, he was, like, playing soccer just uh, just to, you know, not turn into a fat slob, <laughs> um, pretty much. And then he started, his weight started to come down, and he was like, you know, I want to see, you know, I want to see if I still got it. I think I do. And uh, they came up with the Danny O'Connor deal. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you know, he was training. We were ready to go, and unfortunately, suffered that cut. But uh, you know, this camp feels like a really long camp because of that. You know, he never, he never got uh, got heavy in, in weight. He stood pretty much right there, and then we got the call for for Danny Garcia. <clears throat> so <clears throat> feels like like one long camp, but it's really two camps. <clears throat> Hey, Cards, how close was Pauly to, to walking away, though? You know, that was a tough loss at the hands of Sean Porter. It was a rough-style matchup. He did take the 15 months, cleared his head. How close were you guys to, to walking away from this thing? Well, actually, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a big jokester, but when it comes to Pauly's health, uh, there's nothing more important to me. Him and I got into some, some heated arguments about it because I got to the point where I was like, you know, you have money, you have houses, you have cars, you have jewelry. You have a great commentating gig. Like, what's the point of getting punched in your head? You know what I mean? Enough is enough. And he's just a, he's a really stubborn kid, to be honest with you. We could be playing uh, we could be playing FIFA for PlayStation, and he has to win, and he has to, you know, whatever it is, he has to be the best. He's a, it, it doesn't matter what it is. And he would argue with me about it's not about the money, it's not about the money. And I'm like, well... You're, all right, that if it's not about the money, you are a two-time world champion in two weight classes. What is it about then? You know, he just he loves to compete, and yeah, I guess I mean I don't have that drive, uh, as you can see physically. I'm I'm in shape. I call it I, I call it round. Um, it's a good shape he, for you. It looks he, good. He loves to be he loves to be at the highest level of of whatever capacity he's competing at. And um, he feels like he's right there, and I, I I believe he's right. I just, you know, I just want him to be happy. I don't want anything bad to happen to him. But then you see him in a gym, and he's, you know, he's he's fine. He's he's in great shape. So I can't argue with him. Yeah, Peter. What what convinced you then? If you came in with some initial doubts uh, when when Paulie was talking about you know getting back in the ring, what 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 has he shown you uh, in training uh, in the past few months that that made you feel like all right, he's got it back. He's you know he's ready for this fight. And it's not a, it's Danny Garcia. It's, it's a big. It's not coming back against Danny Danny O'Connor. Uh, it's, it's Danny Garcia, who's you know a, a very you know an elite fighter. Well, um, to be honest, no offense to to Danny O'Connor. But um, I just, you know, like like Meek Mill says, there's levels to this. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I feel like for someone like Paulie, you know, he's always at that championship level. Even if he's lost to the champion or he is the champion, not to say that Danny's not on that level, but 
I am saying it. You know, he, he really is. And maybe he'll get there one day, but right now he's not. So I feel like for Paulie, uh, it's hard to it's hard to get up for guys like that sometimes. And um, Paulie was very sharp, but I think that cut was a blessing because it ended up getting us this fight. And when he was really down about that, I said, hey, listen, everything happens for a reason, man. And he's like, oh, what reason could that be? You know, like I just wasted time in camp. I said, listen. You never know what um what Uncle Al's gonna have up his sleeve. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know this PBC platform is something that these fighters have an opportunity, more opportunities. You know, like I say, if you're with a promoter or whatever, you're you may be on a on a street that has that has one lane. When you're with Al Heyman and, and there's PBC involved, you're like on the on the 405 where there's four lanes, you know what I mean? Or you might have to be able to make turns and, and get off and get on. and It's just that's the way I see it, you know? So uh, that being said, Danny Garcia came, fight came through, and then, you know, now he's, like, so up, you know? It's like, he, it's like 10 years ago when he used to go to the gym with just more enthusiasm, right? So that's, that's what I'm getting at. It's just I can see it myself. He's just excited to be in there. It's not like, all right, I guess we got to go to the gym, you know? Like, I just see it mentally, physically. I, I feel the, the vibe, you know? Sage advice from you. I mean, that that's what that's what you provide in the corner for your man there. But let me ask you this. When you're entering a fight with Danny Garcia, what it normally means is, Angel Garcia. We're normally seeing Danny's pops and trainer running his mouth, getting in fights with the with the with the opposing fighter, with the opposing fighter's team. Now, Pete, I, I don't want to call you out so early in this interview, but when I see Garcia versus Malinaji on paper, the first thing I think about is Peter Cards and Angel are going to be are going to be hooping and hollering here. It's been quiet. It's been like the two of you sitting in church next to each other. What's going on? <laughs> uh, I've, I've heard I've heard uh, Angel say some things that. Uh, ball is going to get stopped and this and that. That's all part of the game. Um, I go way back with them. If Angel wants to, if Angel wants to uh, put on the the front, the press conference tomorrow, we can, you know, I'll put on my costume and act like, you know, we're going to hype this up more than it needs to be. Uh, luckily enough, his son and my best friend sell a lot of tickets and we get a lot of viewers. So. There's really not a lot of hype that needs to be done, but if he wants to play that game, we can. Well, I'll have fun with him. Do you think but some Saturday of the night you're gonna hear Saturday night in the corner you're gonna hear? Come on, Dan, you gotta move your head, Dan. You keep getting hit, Dan. <laughs> Add that one to the long list of impressions there, because uh, if I got to pick a favorite card, it's the UK. Your UK impression is probably my favorite so far uh, of the Cheers, generic. Mike. Cheers, <laughs> Cheers, Mike. <laughs> I get a lot of hits on Twitter. They wondered if they're going to show Paulie's fight on the telly. <laughs> Luckily, they will. Uh, Peter, I mean, one of the things that's been sort of has to have been a challenge for for Paulie's training and preparation for this fight is all the work he's been doing as a commentator. I mean, it's been almost because of PBC's busy schedule. He's in a couple times a month, if not sometimes it's like weekly. I mean, he was just in doing the Frampton fight. Uh, what uh, a couple weeks ago for you know down in Texas. How how has he been able to sort of stay sharp and stay in the gym when he's probably spending a few days out of the week a lot of time going down or traveling to do fights <laughs> it comes with the territory right yeah luckily for him 
uh, he double dipped. He got to do Frampton in the afternoon and then Chavez Jr. at night in the same arena. So that worked out. Um, he got his runs in, um, kept his meals in small portions. Uh, you know, he's a veteran at the end of the day. This is, this is he, like we say, he eats, sleeps, and beep, uh, this stuff. So, you know, he, he knows this like the back of his hand. Well-placed self-beep there, Cards. I like that. Look, when we're talking about this PBC, uh, you know, it's the brainchild of Al Heyman. It's, it's been fun to watch this year. We get cards every week. You know, we're seeing Paulie in the chair on a lot of these cards. From your perspective, though, you know, have you gotten a chance to, to, to be in the same room as Al Heyman? He's a mysterious man. He's doing a lot for the sport. Where do you sort of sit with, with, with him? How, what's your experience dealing with him? Um, I've met him very briefly, literally uh, a sentence between each other um he's he's a genius businessman he's a very nice guy from what i gather um paulie's told me all of his conversations they're always he's he's got uh the fighter's best interest in mind he does you know there's uh, a lot of people say oh he's like don king he's trying to take over this take over that well Last I remember, I was a kid coming up, but I remember everybody hated Don King. Mm-hmm. You give me, you give me one fighter that's fine without him that hates him. True, you know. So, you know, people want to talk about Ali Act and this and that. The Ali Act is to protect the fighter. People are trying to sue Al Heyman. Their 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 interest is not to protect the fighter. <laughs> their interest their their interest is for themselves because they can't keep up with him and how much he pays his fighters. So uh, there's a hidden agenda there. Um, Al Heyman is is putting boxing back on the map. It's free boxing for all. And if anyone is complaining about that, I don't know what there is to complain about. And uh, not only that, <laughs> the fights are more competitive. You watch, you watch HBO. Kovalev is the main event. I think he was like a twelve to one under, uh, favorite. The fight lasted three rounds. Uh, PBC, you're getting these competitive, competitive fights. Um, Pascal robbed the poor kid, the Cuban kid. It was horrible. It was really, really horrible. Where PBC, you're getting James DeGale comes from England and beats Al Heyman's fighter in a close fight that could have went either way. Al's fighter lost. So it's been pretty fair to me. And I hope for the same thing on Saturday because after we beat beat Danny, I want to I want to make you know I want that to to follow through and, and be consistent. Does it give you any pause that you look at Danny's recent fights? You know, two out of the last three have, have been close scorecards in which a lot of people thought Danny lost. So does that one give you pause for Paulie's chances, or two actually give you more hope because you see a lot of vulnerabilities in what Danny's doing out there? There's a ton of vulnerability. You know, and and I've seen that in his whole career. And one good thing about Danny is he's got a great chin and he's a heavy-handed kid and he's very strong mentally. But, yeah, I mean, if people don't finally say, all right, the kid's all has to go, what are we saving it for? You You know, they're lying to themselves. The kid has lost to uh, Mauricio Herrera. He lost to Lamont. You know, and he's going to lose Saturday. All right. You know, eventually, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> it's okay. 
he'll he'll survive. I promise. He'll he'll be right back on top the next fight after that. He'll He's still be like wearing his. <laughs> he'll still be wearing his necklaces and, and and hanging out with uh, with Angel in the club. And he'll and he'll still be able to fight, and yeah. he'll still put on great fights with one loss in his record. It's still fine. Right. Um, Peter, I mean, I'm uh, very excited to see how Paulie looks in the ring and how and how everything plays out in the Garcia fight Saturday night. But but really, I think we also got to spend some time going through the history, getting getting some story time with you because you've been there with with Paulie really every step of the way in his career. And and man, I, I know you must have some stories. The one I need to hear. Um, is uh, I mean, it, it was you who had to cut the extensions in England, right? You had to cut the, cut Paulie's hair extensions off when they got in his face uh, against Lovemore and Do, right? Oh my God, Jeez, that was that was the worst thing that could have ever happened. I'm like, I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? He really he wanted to do. Let me tell you the story about that. He wanted to do, um. I think in his mind he wants to do cornrows like he did with with Juan Diaz. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Problem is, his hair wasn't long enough. <laughs> so <laughs> the fight was in England in Manchester. So to get used to the time difference, we trained in in his hometown where his family's from in Syracuse, Sicily. Mm-hmm. So um, we we were training there, and we found this. Uh, she was a lovely woman. This woman was from Senegal, Africa, because Sicily is so close to Africa that a lot of African people just uh, live in Sicily. It, it's very common. So this woman um, you know, was raising her family in, in Sicily, and she would, was known for uh, extension. So the guy that, his name was Salvo, a good friend of the family, would take us all over like a chaperone. Friend well, of we ours. were asking him, yeah. a friend of ours, <laughs> Big time. Uh, well, we were asking him what we needed. And first of all, he was looking at us like, are you guys insane? Like, who does that? But, you know, Paul is just like, you know, that's what I need. And he's like, wow, you guys are shot. I don't know, only in America, maybe. I don't know. We don't do this over here. But um, he found this lady, and, and she was, like, looking at him like, really? This is what you want? So he, she starts pulling out, like, horse hair, you know? And, and he's like, yeah, that's what I want. But what she... This kid spent six and a half hours when he's supposed to be exercising or taking a nap. Or, you know, he's making weight. She, he sat Indian style. This kid. I'm like, you can't make this stuff up. I'm playing soccer in the front yard with her little son. I'm like, this kid's serious. He came out looking like Lennox Lewis. I'm like, dude, are you? I'm like, what's wrong with you? And then we we put, like, a hair tie in it, and in the gym, it was fine. He would do pads. It was fine. Once we get to a fight, the first heated exchange, that shit came loose so fast. I'm like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) And he's like, don't cut it. Don't cut it. I remember Lou DiBella, cut it off. (laughs) And he's like, don't cut it. I'm telling you now, don't cut it. So I was cutting each loose strand one round every every like round. I would cut like two strands. By the time you know later in the fight, I had no choice. The ref Mickey Van, I yelled at him. Uh, he stopped the action and he's like, you know, you got to get control of this. So he, I want to tape it, and I'm like, 
can you at least help me hold it? Like, hold it in place and I'll tape it. The guy's useless. <laughs> oh, man. Cards, I think on, on Twitter they would call that a hashtag L. That was a loss Paulie took there with the hair. But I like that he's bold. He'll take chances. Look, some of these hit or miss ideas, I, I've liked them. I've liked the the the, uh, the superhero war paint I think he had against Cotto's uh, brother. Oh, I, I like a couple things. But my, my worst L in Paulie's career, even worse than the hair getting cut off, Look, come on. I hope you weren't behind this idea. The Red Rooster look against Broner. You remember that wrestler in the 80s from the WWF, the, the Red Rooster? What? Come on, Peter Carson. What's going on? That's a hashtag L right there. Come on. you gotta, you got to jump in and intervene. He doesn't listen. I'm telling you. I've, I've tried to intervene many times. He won't listen. I'm telling you. Believe me when I tell you, a lot of things he's done, I'm like, come on, dude, really? And he's like, yeah, I like it like that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> You're going to be on TV with millions watching, not me. Believe me, guys. I've, I've tried many times. He's a hard-headed kid. And we're, so, so where did you come down on, uh, in, before the, the Porter fight, the, the elephant G-string for the weigh-in? Oh, I, I was totally behind that one. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> No one talks about that that, that anymore. That, that thing got, got swept under the rug like it never happened. Yeah, you're right. No one brings that up. I don't know. I don't know if Uncle Al is gonna gonna sign off on that for the PBC this Saturday. But you know, if you guys yeah, got I, I don't some, think that, I don't think that's under the PBC platform. <laughs> is that so? That I mean, do you guys have anything planned? I mean, you know, or, or is it you know going to be a little more subdued because PBC has been kind of being respectful, or not not even a respect matter, but just very buttoned up. It is very buttoned up. Uh, you know, we we got to, like, I'm, like, worried about what music we're coming out to. It's like, you know, we got to think, think uh, like, cautiously about everything. Wow. I might have to wear, like, a suit in the corner, I feel. I can't even walk my guy out. It's like, you know, there's no round card girls. I'm, I'm ready to take my shirt off in between rounds. <laughs> <laughs> well, Pete, look, we love the podcast. We, a big part of what we love about the podcast, you guys talk about a lot of different things. You know, not just punching cab drivers in the gut on New Year's Eve. You talk about movies, talk about a lot of stuff. Anti-doping. Yeah, you're anti-doping. <laughs> you're not doing enough talking, though, about, about a guy whose movie career I can really get behind, and that's my guy Steven Seagal. Where are you sitting with, my man? Oh, Steven Seagal has some classics, man. <laughs> I mean, this I guy's the... On that guy. This guy's the forgotten action star. You know, everyone talks about in the lineage the 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 Van Dams, the Schwarzeneggers, you know, the Stallones. I mean, Seagal had had some serious game back then. Absolutely, I was a big fan, and uh, you know, people don't believe. I mean, of course, the movies are orchestrated, and and the guy, the eight guys he beats up in two seconds, they all come at him one at a time. But um, <laughs> he uh, he really did study that stuff in Japan. You know, he he really is like a sensei or whatever. Did you guys, I mean, a lot of, especially early in his career, Steven Zagal was kind of a lot of the time cast and sort of posing as a, as an Italian cop. I mean, if you look at, uh, what, uh, is it Alfred Justice? I mean, that's, you know. Anybody see Richie? <laughs> Richie Lupo, <laughs> yeah. Anybody know why Richie did Bobby Lupo? <laughs> yeah. I think if we're going to look at, you know, if we're going to treat this as a true art form, which it is, you know, this, this Seagalism, the Seagology, breaking down this guy's films, is there any better film, Peter Cards, that, than Mark for Death, though? When, when he took matters into his own hands, went to Jamaica, and, and had to take out the Screwface twins. I mean, has anybody uh, died the, a worse death the than the second Screwface brother? Come on, Peter Cards. 
down the shaft, right? He fell no. perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. You, you know, right out. Would you and Paulie ever consider being like the Screwface twins with extensions for Halloween? <laughs> that's a that's a good one. I, we thought about being Dumb and Dumber. <laughs> Before we get you out of here, Peter Cards, it's just talk about the podcast in general. Well, you know, how, how did this come together? How much fun do you have doing this? You know, where are you guys going to take this? Because I see a bromance, uh, you know, buddy cop movie coming in the future for you guys. Something, you know. Yeah, I don't know. You know what? It, it was approached to Paulie, and Paulie said, uh, you know, I really have a busy schedule. I'm not sure. And then he said, I'll tell you what. I'll consider if I could do, you know, bring my best friend on. And they were like, you know, who is he? He's, like, He's my best friend. It's a natural chemistry. It would be us just kicking it, having fun. And they were like, it's your podcast. Do whatever you want. <laughs> and he approached me about it that way, and, and that's how it's gone. Um how is your studio up in Bristol? You guys have, like, a green room, stuff like that? Yeah, we got all that stuff. We got TVs everywhere, something I know you guys could, could use an addition for, you know, in your studio. Yeah, I'm saying, I, I got to, we got to air this out, man. I, I'm telling my guy Seth all the time. You know, there's times that Paulie and I go up to do the podcast, and we're sitting in the whole, the, the elevator lobby, not even the <laughs> lobby. And and we look like we're sitting Indian style, like we're protesting. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I want to like you know. I feel like like a second rate citizen sometimes over there. You know, the CBS has to step their game up a little bit. Well, you know, started from the bottom. Now you're here, though. You got to start start uh, you know shaking people up. You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just kidding. They're actually doing renovations too. We're getting a better studio. It's great over there. Those guys are great. Seth is great. Um, all those guys, Aki and them. Uh, we have a good time doing it. Uh, I'm I'm not sure where it's going to go. I'm hoping that it that it keeps growing. You know, we have so much fun doing it. Uh, it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. It's some my real mother honesty. Listens, she's, like, she's like, oh, it sounds like uh, when I'm hanging out with you guys. What do I need to listen for? I'm like, thanks, mom. Appreciate <laughs> Well, keep up the great work, Peter Cards. We'll see you in the corner this Saturday when Paulie Malinaji makes his return against Danny Garcia in a 12-round welterweight bout. This is the PBC on ESPN, 9 p.m. Eastern from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn. Peter Cards, we can talk to you for hours about nonsense. We love having you on, man. Good luck to you. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, guys. See you soon. Thanks a lot, Peter. Good luck this weekend. All right, Brian, that was a fun interview with Peter Cards. And let me tell you, one thing that I really like about his podcast with Paulie is is one that Peter might be the only man alive uh, that Paulie will let argue with him. You know, because we've had him on the show uh, and we've... You know, we've you, whenever you try to push him as an interviewer, if he doesn't know you personally, I guess if you're not his best friend, he just jumps right down your throat. I mean, you could be trying to be like the polite devil's advocate, and Paulie is just like, ah, on you. Well, um, he likes to win, like 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 Card said. You know, he's all right, all right, we all right, we, we're selling these guys enough. They are, they are very good, but let's let's do our own thing. Uh, let's jump into this fight, um, Danny Garcia, Paulie Malinaji. I mean, you know, honestly, a lot of people are not excited about this fight, Brian, because. Paulie, you know, is coming out of retirement. He hasn't fought in over a year. He got knocked out 
in really the first truly decisive fashion in his career against Sean Porter in a tough style matchup last year. But I mean, what, how does it make sense for him to come back and fight Danny Garcia, an undefeated young fighter who hasn't looked his best in recent fights, but still a guy who you, you don't really think, oh, first fight back, I'm going to get Danny Garcia. Yeah, look, there's there has been that that side of, of of the boxing world who who responded to this matchup by sort of saying, oh, you know, this is a walkthrough for Garcia. This is more of a, a, a nicely wrapped, star-studded fight that really isn't competitive. And I actually, you know, I, from the beginning, I've liked this matchup, and not just the personalities involved, the potential for that, but I do think it's a potential trap fight for Danny Garcia because although Paulie, you know, 15 months ago did did really take a, a bad beating, but he has stepped away. He is refreshed. He is sort of feeling like you know he can do this again at this level, and I think. At the very least, we're going to see the last stand of a veteran, and every veteran sort of has this last performance. You know, I think we saw that against with Zab Judah, for, for instance, against Danny Garcia, where he really came on late. I think every veteran's got that one really last high-level fight in them, and I think this is the kind of matchup stylistically that really is good for Paulie, even for not being a big puncher, because the people that have given Danny Garcia issues in recent fights, you know, right. you look over the they last can move. year, he struggles it, with movement. It, he, you know, he movement. doesn't like to. He doesn't like to cut off the ring. He likes. He basically likes guys to come at him so he can counterpunch and catch him with a big shot. And not just that, Rafe. Also, Danny Garcia is a guy, and this is partially of why he's a weird guy who's always kind of underrated and overrated at the same time. He plays to the level of his competition. When he's mm-hmm. the underdog and he's got to come from nowhere to beat Khan or Matisse and his dad screaming in the corner motivating him, he can rise to that level. But just the, just the same, we've seen him against a lot of opponents that he was heavily favored, Salka notwithstanding, where he's sort of fallen down to their level, maybe let them back in. I think we got a competitive fight coming at us. I think it, I, I mean I think because of the style matchup, it probably will be a competitive ma- a, a, a competitive fight, and and also because you know Paulie, you you rarely only really only at one time against Porter last year. It's the only time you you I can think of seeing Paulie just totally out of it. You know, I mean, he got beat clearly by a lot of by by Khan, by Hatton, by Cotto, but but he, you know, those even when he was stopped, he didn't want to be stopped. And then, you know, Porter was the only time where he was just he had no hope, you know, he's got knocked out. Um well, he's game. We know that. And that yeah. that's a big part of why you think he's going to compete. But the other the other thing here though is if you're on the Danny Garcia side of thinking that this could be a walkthrough for him that might support that though, Rafe, is that this is his first fight full-fledged at 147, and he has said himself many times that he really wasn't himself in the past few fights by trying to cut down to 140 or cutting down to those catch weights that it robbed him of energy late and you did see that against Peterson when Garcia had nothing late and Peterson is walking him down. There is that potential that when he steps in 147 full-bodied, fully hydrated, fully everything that he might have, he might look like the guy of old. I mean, is that more were you along the lines of what you see this fight eventually turning into? I think fighters get to use that excuse maybe one or two times. You know, know, it's, it's possible I mean, it's plausible, it's believable, but if he, if Garcia, you know, but the thing is, he's got Malinaji, an opponent that uh, that if he does happen to to overwhelm or or to out or just you know win a wide decision over, uh, a lot of people aren't going to say it's because. Danny Garcia wasn't at him wasn't at his best at 140 pounds or remember 144 143 pounds against Lamont Peterson. Um, they're going to say it's because 
Paulie was, you know, hadn't fought in a year and he's old and, and well, you know, was in his decline years ago. Uh, and this was sort of one last payday for him, perhaps. Uh, you know, even though I, I kind of expect Paulie to, to, to sh- have a better showing than that, if it doesn't go well for, for Malinaji, I don't think Garcia gets a ton of credit or that people are going to say, well, it's because 147 is his best weight. It's weird, though. It's really, and you're right, and it's really weird with Garcia that he takes so much criticism. But sometimes I feel like it's weird. Sometimes I feel like it's justified. That's sort of where he is in this weird gray bubble. Like, here's a honest fighter, fights a somewhat exciting style, is tough, you know, is mentally tough, like Peter Card said has a really strong resume before this last year. Uh, you know, a lot of times he was the underdog. He's moving up, fighting bigger guys, fighting better guys. And yet, really, is there anyone that takes as much criticism as him? Why do you, you know, why do you think that he's sort of become this lightning rod in so many ways? A lot of people think it's because of the personality, because his dad is such a character, and his dad is 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 so. I mean, his his. I mean, Angel Garcia's. You know, Instagram name is Crazy Angel Garcia, which is about <laughs> as on the nose as you can get. I mean, that is that should be he should just that should just be his name, Crazy Angel Garcia. But so there's all the personality issues. I also think it's because there's you, rarely anything to get excited about with with Angel with, with Danny Garcia as a fighter. I mean, even when he was beating Kendall Holt and and some of the and, and on the way up, uh, you know, he never really looked impressive. And there's always a caveat to even his biggest wins. Even look. I mean, you deserve credit for for beating Amir Khan for sure, but at the same time, you know he was getting beat and he landed a big punch. And we all and, and Amir Khan has no chin. I know you like to argue for your boy, but he cannot take a punch. Uh, no comment. And, and he got yeah. Um, and you know, and then against Matisse, you know, you know he he hung in there. He survived the early rounds. Matisse was working his body for something rough, and then somehow I don't even. It, I, I, it's punch. hard to hard to even figure out how that. I blew up like that, but it did, and and it took Matisse out of the fight, and he landed. Danny Danny landed the punch. He deserves the credit, but there is that one. There's something even in those biggest wins. There's always something to be like, yeah, he won, but he didn't look that good. I mean, it's more just like he he has them on the resume, but he still hasn't convinced people who really really rely on that eye test. And I think that holds him back too, because people are like, yeah, he gets the credit, but he doesn't. He doesn't look like he deserves the credit. And let's not forget that he, you know, like Berto years earlier, he sort of became the face of the 2014 pre-PBC Al Heyman movement of the of the weak matchups of the being put in a spot where he has to try to justify a fight like against Rod Salka, you know, where he just can't come out and be honest, where he has to sort of try to sort of say things maybe you know he doesn't believe to try to justify it while he's cashing big paychecks while you're watching him on Instagram, you know, with, with the elaborate house and businesses. So I think that has sort of played into it. I don't know. If he's really ever going to live down the negative stank that came with that whole Salga situation, but we do know on Instagram that people love to post the cherries. You know, there there is a, a separate Instagram account for these cherries, the cherry that, pickers that Oscar looks to you know repost, regram, or whatever you say it a lot again. But there is one guy speaking of cherry pickers in the comment there. You know, we know we have unbeaten junior welterweight a Mary Mom had a you know impressive knockout mm-hmm. on the Chavez undercard on Showtime, as you may have seen in the Jim Gray interview. He came out, he's calling out cherry pickers that don't want to fight. Credit Jim Gray who's not afraid to get up in someone's grundle and really push it. He got him to say, you know, well, who are you talking about? Which cherry pickers? He calls out Danny Garcia. You know, I talked to Danny this week. I asked him about it. Danny was fired up, and you don't normally hear Danny Garcia fired up, so it was pretty entertaining. You know, he's like, you know, you've beaten cab drivers. You're not on my level. You haven't fought, you know, X amount of world champions in your last 10 fights. You know, you haven't fought guys. And in, and I think as much as Danny has a case in certain points of his career, the last year and a half, it's been kind of soft, you know? So it, it, th- those those things don't always stand up. So it sort of just leads to this 
he's this walking sort of gray area comp- contradiction. This yeah, man. He's you, tough you, to gauge. You shared that uh, that interview with me, and I got to hear it. The thing that's the line that stuck out to me is that like you got to earn a shot at me. You gotta, you know, you gotta you gotta beat someone like Herrera or Peterson or Matisse to get a shot at me. Well, I mean, hold up, Danny Garcia. First of all, most people don't think that he that Garcia beat. Uh, you know, Peterson or Herrera. Second of all, I don't recall Rod Salka beating, you know, any of those guys. I don't recall <laughs> Mauricio Herrera having that. I mean, he, he, Mauricio Herrera had fought some good guys, lost to some of them, beat some of them, but didn't have the kind of resume that was like, oh, yeah. I mean, that was supposed to be, a, a, you know, a stay busy fight, a homecoming in Puerto Rico. So, I mean, his own opponents in the past couple of years haven't really lived up to that bill. So, uh, it doesn't, uh, logically, as an argument, it doesn't step out. Now, has Amir Imam done enough to really deserve that kind of shot? Maybe not. But he looks good, and I think a lot of fans just want to see that. See a guy who looks exciting, who looks talented. If if, if Amir Imam is willing to step up and, and and try and jump that huge level of competition, and, and yo, go, I'm all for it. Good good luck. I hope he gets the fight, and I hope he shows well, and he he look and he fights as well as he looks. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, and this is just all part of uh, sort of the criticism that Danny takes, and he's going to have to do a lot to to change that mindset. And I think this fight does offer one in, one final thing on this fight. The one interesting thing it offers is you kind of have two heels in the in the you know the boxing Twitter sphere facing off. Half the people are going to be excited if Danny Garcia gets exposed and suffers his first loss. The cherries are going to be flying everywhere, and the other half of the people are going to be excited if Paulie, you know, is forced to eat a lot of his words. Maybe for the people that don't like his Pacquiao comments, and maybe even gets stopped in this fight, you know, which could lead to the end of his career. So if you're a hater out there, this is sort of the hater bowl. Oh yeah, I, I am a hater. Although I kind, I don't know if I, I have these guys in the top of my list, but you know, I'll, I'll be enjoying it uh, vicariously for all the haters. Let's jump into some predictions. We didn't, we, we didn't even pre view this fight yet the ESPN undercard on Saturday but in a fake middleweight title fight Danny <laughs> Jacobs is going to be defending his fake middleweight title against uh, Sergio Mora the first ever contender champion uh, you know quickly uh, you know are you, you saying those that 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 uh, Brooklyn title that Paulie won against Judah it has more credibility than this WBA after dark I would uh, I unified... give Paulie more credit for beating uh, the the you know these the zombies be Zab Judah than uh, than Jacobs for beating Jared Fletcher last year. Uh, <laughs> Look, this is you know Jacobs has the good cancer story. He's got that secondary the good title. cancer story. The, the, you know the overcome. Yeah, that, that, that really came out bad. Overcoming, but we haven't seen him against a legitimate name. But by the way, Jacobs has looked unbelievable in the names we have seen him. I mean, he's really blowing through people. His his knockout streak is really impressive when you look at the resume and notice that he hasn't gone to the card since two thousand nine. This is a legitimate name. I mean, Mora, when he's at his best, can be a tough out. I think if Jacobs can stop him, be the first guy to do it, which is Jake told, Jacobs told me that's his goal, it actually would be a, a decently impressive statement to say, I'm not just a guy with a good story who you may have known in the past. I'm a player in a somewhat very hot division right now. So... Prediction-wise, I do think Jacobs is going to show everything he has, and I do think because Mora at 35 hasn't looked great in his last fight on ESPN, I think we're going to see a stoppage here. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I'm also picking a Danny Jacobs stoppage, not only for the reasons you mentioned, but because last December uh, on uh, in an ESPN card that Sergio Mora was bumped off the televised portion of, uh, we got to see him almost get hurt and rocked a few times Dropped. by a local cab driver. Um, and uh, there wasn't even a camera playing during that fight. Like you kind of feel bad for a guy on his level. That was a that was a 
after I dark feel, but but then seeing how badly he looked in it, I kind of felt good for him because he is, he got out with the win, and and if more people True had that. seen that on TV, you know, he might not have gotten that next chance to fight on Friday Night Fights or this chance to fight now on ES, you know, PBC on ESPN. So Sergio Mora has had a great uh, had, had a a good career uh, and has been a tough fighter, um, and uh, I think Danny Jacobs will beat him. Yeah, um, Mora's legs are going to have to be you know ten years ten years ago type of style to. to move and get out of the way of punches in this one. I don't think it's going to happen. But the main event is is where I want to see where your pick's going here. Garcia Malinaji, where are you leaning? Look, I mean, the last time we saw Paulie Malinaji in the ring, uh, he looked like he had finally sort of reached the end of his rope. And maybe he got it back. Maybe he's got and, – and, 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 and I don't think that Danny Garcia fights in the sort of explosives, bum-rushing style that gave him so – much gave Paulie so much trouble against Sean Porter. So I don't think he's going to look um, that – he's going he's gonna, to, you know, be in so much trouble. But at the same time, I, I'm, I, even with all of the, the junk Garcia has gone through uh, and the – how bad he's looked recently uh, and sort of how much I personally am rooting for him to lose. Um, I think that he will win this fight. I think he's going to be up for this fight. I think that he, I think that he will be aggressive. uh, And I think that, you know, he'll do enough to, to look better, you know, to look decent enough in beating a smart, good fighter in Paulie. But, but Danny Garcia is a younger fighter he's 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 just younger stronger fresher he hasn't lost like there's just you know style matchup aside i think this is a garcia uh, unanimous decision yeah I, I actually agree with your pick completely i think we're going to see two things happen at once we're going to see garcia prove himself as a solid welterweight he's going to land the bigger shots he's probably going to score a knockdown i equally think we're going to see one last stand from paulie where he's going to make it difficult it's going to be a competitive decision but one where garcia takes this deserves it and moves ahead all leading to the Pauli Malinaji Adrian Broner rematch. Oh, do it, do it. The side piece bowl. No, no, give me give me DSG Broner someday. That's a fight I always wanted well, to Broner see. Broner needs to win some fights. <laughs> exactly. All right, we're ready to be back. Uh, I want to thank uh, everybody listening. Uh, I want to thank the Grantland Network, uh, Paul, uh, you know, David Jacoby, Joseph Fuentes, the producers, uh, Peter Esferraza, uh, Paulie's corner man, best friend. Uh, thank you for coming and talking to us about this fight. Uh, everyone, please go on iTunes, rate the, rate the podcast, uh, review the podcast. Just, you know, uh, we're going to be back and we're looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Let's just get out of here and catch these fights. We out. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.